This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about when nobody wants your parents' stuff. <laughs> You might wonder why we're talking about this topic on a financial radio show and podcast, but the reason we're talking about it is because it ties into your overall estate planning, which is something that we focus on all of the time. So let's talk a little bit about what to do with that stuff that um, tends to overwhelm a lot of us. Yes. Yep. Been there. Done that. <laughs> yes. And welcome, Amy. This yes. morning we have Amy McFarland with us. Uh, good morning. So here's the thing. It, the hard truth of it is this, is that when a parent passes away, or for many listeners, you can think about this for your own self, when eventually you pass away, the sad truth of it is nobody really wants all of your prized possessions. <laughs> <laughs> and you probably know this because you probably don't really want to try to figure out what to do with your right. parents' You have an emotional attachment. And the other person does not. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. So, you know, forgive us for the morbidity of talking about this because, of <laughs> course, somebody passes away to trigger this type of issue. But if you're lucky enough to still have one or more parents or step parents alive, then what we want to talk today about is how you can kind of address some things ahead of time to make that estate planning and that that life transition when somebody passes away a little bit easier mm -hmm. for you or for your own beneficiaries. Yes. So, yes. Amy, you had to deal with this with your own parents, correct? Right, right. And with the age I am, my parents were depression era. So, um, we reused, my mom reused everything, napkins, rubber bands, <laughs> everything. Nothing was Not thrown to mention away. The big stuff. Yes. <laughs> and it, it is difficult for a child because, um, you just, you don't know where to start. It's overwhelming. You feel like you're betraying them mm -hmm. a little bit, but you've got to pare it down. And we ended up using an auction and they're, they're there to clear it out. So they put some of the good stuff with the bad stuff. And you, sure. I saw my parents' front yard and backyard completely filled with everything that they had built over the 63 years of marriage. And it's tough. It's that something tough. you don't forget. And I'm going to make sure my kids are hopefully not saddled with that. Yeah. And, you know, it's not something that our parents are thinking about, the no. fact that they're saddling with it. Most of the time, parents are still thinking about the fact that, well, by golly, they might need to use that sometime. Yes. You know, so that's definitely the mindset of people who have lived through that depression era. Right, right. So, but here's the thing. Mid-century furnishings, art, rugs, things like that, those can typically find a place in a buyer. But a lot of the depression area type of uh, yeah, stuff. Yeah, the mahogany, the walnut. Yep, uh -huh. but they call brown furniture. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. The heavy old brown furniture, yes. it's really difficult to find buyers for that. Well, and it's of a quality, too. It's heavy mm -hmm. to move. Yep. I, of course, love it. But um, I see that in my children. The mid-century modern is what they want. Yep. And my daughter is kind of a throwback. She loves the brown furniture. Oh, she, she just needs loves to come it. over. <laughs> <laughs> So, the, you know, the things that, that you can do to help set your estate plan up, 
outside of the legal documents that we talk about all of the time on this show Mm -hmm. are, you know, are taking care of some of this stuff. And it's called unfurnishing, which is kind of a funny name, isn't it? Unfurnishing. You may not have heard that before. But when you find yourself in a position that you need to help your parents start with this, or if you're finding yourself in the position to start thinking about this with your own stuff, yes. we're gonna we're gonna give you some tips today that okay. will help with that. All right. Okay. All right. So uh, I noticed your note here about start mobilizing while your parents are around. Absolutely. So if your parents are still alive, then what the best thing you can do is to start having conversations with them. Mm-hmm. It would be so much more effective and valuable for you to start collecting the stories about their stuff Mm -hmm. instead of the actual stuff. And Mary, I'm going to chime in on this. I was just commenting to one of my aunts that I have so many questions with both parents deceased about, oh, I wonder about this. I wonder about that. I wonder Mm -hmm. where did this come from? Why, why, you know, and it's, it's, it can be a really positive Uh, topic. And I guarantee you, your parents want to tell you. (laughs) Yes, they do. They do. So um, one story that I can tell you is that my mother had a good friend um, who had collected um, angels and also collected Madonnas, like the uh, Mother Mary statues Mm -hmm. and things like that. And she literally... (laughs) had hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of these statues and, you know, mementos laying around. And what she did was she took little stickers and she put them on the bottom of them and with a number on them. And then she made a list on paper of the story behind each one of those numbered things. Okay. Now, that is kind of to the extreme, right, with a collection like that. And um, as she got older and and moved into a nursing home, her son had, and my mom actually Mm -hmm. helped clean out a lot of her stuff. Um, But one of the best things was my mom could go through that um, list and see, well, what are the ones that she liked the stories of the best? And then that gave her an emotional connection to the actual statue instead of it just being another pretty statue amongst a thousand of them. Right. That's a wonderful idea. That's time consuming. But Mm -hmm. I think if it's important to you that you know this, look in that crystal ball and imagine not knowing. And does that matter to you? Yes. Now, my... um, my grandparents, my mother's parents, um, they didn't have a tremendous amount of material things, but what they did have was a lot of dishes in China that had passed down through the ages, Mm -hmm. and they had a lot of books. Mm -hmm. Now, someone like me that loves the tactile feel of a book, right? You just love to hold a book in your hand. Mm -hmm. It is so, so difficult to give a book away. (laughs) It sure. just is like sure. books just feel like there's something that should be a little revered. And, you yes. know, you certainly don't throw a book away. You want to make sure you give it away. Right. Yes. Um, but I know that my mom had a, a difficult time sorting through the books and um, letting go of some of them. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to unfurnishing things like books, then one of the better things to do is think about the books that your parents loved, or if you can have those conversations with them, understand why they loved that book so much. Mm-hmm. You know, did they read it once and then sit it on the shelf, or was it a book that they actually pulled out from time to time and reread? Was it a story that mattered to them or impacted their life? 
Was it a book about a place that they've been that was a big memory for them? You know, why was that book important? Or is it really just a book sitting on a shelf? Right. Yeah. I found books uh, in my parents' belongings. And if you open up to see, you know, back in the day they would sign. Mm-hmm. And I had I have some wonderful books that my grandmother um, had gotten from her aunts. And so, uh, you know, 1910. And those books I hold on to um, just because they're obsolete and yeah. it's a, a little holding on to the past. Yep, absolutely. So when my grandmother passed away um, a number of years ago, you know, we all as grandkids had an opportunity to go look through, you know, what she had and decide if there's anything we wanted. And there was only two things that I chose. And they literally have no actual monetary value, (laughs) but they mattered to me. So one of the things that I took was the nightlight that Uh she has. It was like a little globe that sat on a stand and um, it was just kind of this really cool nightlight. Well, the reason that it mattered to me is because when I was a young teenager, I would clean her house and she would walk around and follow me around as I cleaned to talk to me. So every couple of weeks on the weekend, I would go clean Nana's house and she would have this great time with me. We'd have conversation. I'd clean. And I always would turn that nightlight on when I cleaned. And so that nightlight is just a pretty thing that reminds me of my grandmother. And it has absolutely sentimental value of those times. It's a happy memory. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I learned after the fact that I don't really think she needed her house clean. She just wanted to hang with me for a couple hours like that, which was awesome. I'm going to remember that with my own grandkids, you know, (laughs) here's how to get them to spend time with grandma. I'm going to pay you to do something. (laughs) No, it's true. It's true. (laughs) So, and then the other thing that I kept was her sewing kit. And um, it just, you know, I have memories of her, you know, mending and and doing things like that. So I kept her sewing kit. But um, so I don't have anything of hers cluttering up my house. I just have two things of hers that are really meaningful and impactful to me. But what I've um, realized, especially as I was kind of preparing to put together this program today, is that my kids have no idea what the meaning of those things is. Right. And they would have no attachment to that or understanding of why I even have that nightlight yes. or what's this old sewing kit here for, yes, right? absolutely. So that's part of the unfurnishing process is to be able to pass the stories down around the things that matter rather than pass the stuff down. Mm-hmm. And then to talk with your parents about, you know, why do they have some of the things they have? And then is there any way that you can start the process of unfurnishing or even going through some of their stuff while they're alive to help simplify and clean things out rather than just have it be a giant mess to deal with once they're gone. Yes, that's it's it's just really thinking about something that's not fun to think about. Right. But you can feel in control by doing these things. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, we're back with Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about when nobody wants your parents' stuff. <laughs> or, AKA, yours. or yours. Yeah. <laughs> when your kids don't want your stuff. Right. And the thing is, the kids today just want different things than and what they want we have. And they want everything to what... look great. 
Yes. Yep. Clean lines, simplified, modern mm-hmm. look. That's what a lot of kids today are going for. Not everyone, but mm-hmm. what a lot of kids are going for. Mm-hmm. So they're not really prizing those heirlooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the things that have sentimental value to you don't get carried down to them. So let's talk a little bit about what to do with some of that stuff and how to go through the process of unfurnishing in a way that can kind of maximize value for you and um, maybe add to the estate uh, in terms of a monetary value. All right. So first of all, one of the tips I can tell you is give yourself plenty of time to find takers if you can. Okay. Right. So a lot of times people really, really rush through the process. And sometimes you have to like sometimes you got to clear mom and dad stuff out within two weeks. You know, they got to be out of the place they Mm -hmm. were in or something. And that's that can be traumatic but oftentimes doesn't kind of give you the emotional space to deal with what you're doing. Right. Right. So the longer you have to sell something of your parents, if you're going to actually try to sell it, the more money you can make because it's not a fire sale. Yes. So I still have four tubs, gigantic tubs of things in my aunt's uh, basement that I couldn't make a decision on. Okay. (laughs) So they're just sitting in the basement. Nine years later. Nine years. (laughs) So this isn't about time. This is about decision making. (laughs) You know, so you're right. So what can happen is that stuff can clutter up space, right? It can Mm -hmm. clutter up a basement, an attic, a living room, whatever. But if you give yourself time and once you've decided to actually sell things and then develop a process for selling them, Mm -hmm. then that is likely to be effective. Now, one of the kind of cool things is that if you have stuff that's kind of like each other, if you find an interested buyer for one thing, it probably means their taste is similar to mm-hmm. whatever you have. Mm-hmm. So if you find an interested buyer for one thing, you might be able to show them three or four other things that are similar that might pique their interest too. Sure. So keep that in mind when you're actually going through that sales process. The next thing you should do is do an online search to see if there's a market for these things. Art, furniture, china, or crystal. Okay, those are the four things that you're most likely to be able to dispose of from some type of online sale or even some type of like uh, auction. Yes. Okay. And sterling silver is the same way or a, okay. a silver service. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that's true. Yep. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. So the art, the furniture, the china or the crystal are the things that you probably can get some of the most monetary value out of. Mm-hmm. And an auction house is going to be more likely to want to sell yeah. your parents stuff if you have some of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's true. So, all right. On the jewelry, you're going to want to get the jewelry appraised mm-hmm. before you dispose of it. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of parents have mostly costume jewelry, but they'll have that one or two pieces of really good stuff mixed into there. Yes. <laughs> and I will do a little uh, plug here. I finally took a bunch of jewelry that was in my mom's jewelry box. Again, one of those conversations I never had with her. Mm-hmm. And I took it down and Rusty and Karen Clark at Thorpe's took all this time to just help me through it. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Good and for them. I had a couple things that I said that dealer, I said, oh, this was, I know this was Grammys and I feel so bad. I don't, <laughs> they'd say it's costume. <laughs> and yeah. it, you can get that appraised too, though. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So here's the thing is that um, 
uh, costume jewelry, I actually have some costume jewelry from a relative who's passed away. And um, like it's it's costume jewelry that the only time it's ever come out is like Halloween costumes. I, oh. I added to that for whatever reason, you know, yeah. I look for it for that. But um, <laughs> if my grandson was a little girl, I think we would have played dress up type of stuff yes. with it. But that's, you know, you can kind of have fun with it and connect mm-hmm. into a memory that way with some of the costume jewelry. But the actual jewelry jewelry, you're going to want to see if there is value to it before you sell that in like a lump at an auction or something like that. Right. So all you auction goers that are looking for a good deal probably don't like that advice. (laughs) You're looking for that fine, that needle in the haystack at an auction. Which then the next thing I see you have down is the consignment shop, Mary. Mm -hmm. And Sioux City has plenty of those as well. Yes. There's lots of local consignment shops here that are good, but they're all over the country, right? So all of our listeners that are out there that, that aren't local to where we are, look for a consignment shop in your area or look for some kind of liquidation service, mm-hmm. okay? So the liquidation type of services that are out there are often something that's better than holding an actual estate sale. Mm-hmm. When you get into the larger metro areas, you're going to be able to have an easier way to find an actual liquidation service. And basically what they do is they look at everything, they make an assessment, they write you a check, and they take everything away. Right. So they just literally take it all. Right. And they pay you for it, probably a fraction of what it's worth, but that's how they make their money. Right. However, what it does is it eliminates 100% of the headache for you yes. of moving anything. A lot anything. of that sweat equity. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of sweat equity yes. when it comes to taking oh, care of yes. other people's yes. stuff. Yes. Right? It's true. And a lot of jewelry stores, Mary, have, you know, sell estate jewelry. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, keep that in mind as well. Yeah. That's very mm-hmm. true. Very true. So um, another thing you can do with some of this stuff is that you can donate it. This is probably my favorite option <laughs> for two reasons. Number one, it does good. Number two, you're, you're honoring a legacy by giving away stuff that, you know, was your parents that can help somebody in need. And number three, you can get a tax deduction. Oh, and sure. And I'm all about <laughs> tax deductions. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, there's all kinds of ways to give it away. I mean, there you can give it to your local, um, you know, Salvation Army or your local mm-hmm. Goodwill, or you can look for people who need stuff. Yes. Right? Well, and I learned that Salvation Army will come pick up your stuff. <laughs> Not even so better. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even better. But, you know, um, domestic violence um, organizations, mm-hmm. women's shelters. Yes. Um, the re- recovery places where people who are getting off of addiction behaviors mm-hmm. and they're living in places that aren't theirs or they need a fresh start, those kind of places can always use oh. decent stuff. Yes. And like you said, it's a tax deduction. Yes. And so you're you're helping yourself out on the tax side by doing good for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, a lot of times picking out the shelters and then donating to them Mm-hmm. is a, a really wise way to go with some of the stuff you're not quite sure what to do with. Yes. And I have to add this in because I just, I thought of this too, Mary, um, with my dad's tools. Those were very <laughs> valuable to some people mm-hmm. because it's hard to get, you know, say a, a wood level. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's true. Old hammer. 
know? <laughs> a lot of people prize those things. I was sentimental overall. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah. The old, the, the, it, but that's because it's my dad. dad helped me mm-hmm. at my houses, you know, and yep. I, oh, yeah, he had his yeah. own toolbox. <laughs> All right, so there is a um, great guide I know, Amy, you wanted to talk about that might be helpful for people to take a look at, too. Yes, and it is, it's a a free guide that you can download, and it's called Right Sizing and Relocation Guide, and it's from the National Association of Senior Move Managers, and it's, so it's Right Sizing is in (laughs) R-I-G-H-T, Right Sizing and Relocation Guide, and it's very helpful. Yeah, and so a senior move means that somebody who is not going to be able to manage their move themselves, right? So you could potentially have multiple senior moves happening. You could have a move where maybe your parent is moving from their home into an assisted living mm-hmm. or from their home right into a nursing home or from an assisted living into now they've passed away and now whatever was still you know there, you have to manage that stuff. And there's, there's a big business. If you can Google uh, people who can help you um, take what's in their home and move it and downsize it and help you when you mm-hmm. move them into assisted living. Absolutely. So there are services out there like that. But here's the thing. You have to prepare for a little bit of disappointment. <laughs> because for the first time in history of the world... We have two generations that are downsizing simultaneously, right? Uh, We have the boomers' parents that are doing their final downsizing, and then we have the boomers themselves that are doing the downsizing. And we have a generation of Gen Xers, Gen Y, and millennials Mm -hmm. who many of them are buying into the idea of minimalism. Right. And so it's like this excess of stuff is happening as a result. (laughs) Yes. No. In fact, Mary, I'm going to use the word unfurnishing every time my husband has to go on a business trip because I've been unfurnishing his stuff already. No, it's easier to do somebody else's stuff. We've gone through two moves and we still have the college textbooks. There you go. Well, for those of you who are listening, we have a wonderful... We have a wonderful guide for you that will help with the estate planning process. It's called the Beneficiary Guide. It's a fabulous gift that you can give to your family. So if there is stuff that you want to identify or if there's stories that you want to tell about certain things that you would like for your family to keep, this is a great place to house it, as well as help people um, know what your final wishes are for yourself Mm -hmm. and where all the important stuff is. Like, where is that will? Where is your, you know, safe deposit key? Where is the stuff that's going to need to be taken care of by your beneficiaries? Absolutely. So just give us a call at uh, (laughs) Strict Financial Services. Go to our website, strictfinancialservices.com, and you can request that beneficiary guide. We'll get it sent to you, and uh, that might be able to help you out when nobody wants your parents' stuff. So thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sterk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.